Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You're hanging out with friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You think you'll make it home. It's not a big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think that it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead. Get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. So as he's saying it to me, I'm like, oh, you a bum ass joke. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, no, because your name is Nate. Your name is not Tiny. This is what I'm saying. You're like, you I'm can't like, no. be him, man. But yeah, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way. But then after, you know, it came that was him. I'm like, why you didn't tell me? I just played in the NBA. Why you didn't tell me? And he's like, all oh, these young kids think I know everything. Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the final installment of the Jim Rome Podcast for the year 2020. We made it, and you know we are going to finish like a freight train because my send-off guest is God Sham God, the Rucker Park legend with arguably the sickest handles of all time. Ask anybody who's been put on skates by a Sham God crossover. The only thing more amazing than Sham's dribbling and legacy is the life that he has lived to this point, and we are going to cover it all, so let's get right at it. The final episode of 2020 for the Jim Rome Podcast starts right now. Sham, I got to say, it is so great to talk to you once again. Thank you very much for making time. First off, how are you and everybody around you holding up in these unprecedented and uncertain times? I mean, um, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, we, you know, we make and do as best as best we can because you know, you know, other people in the world have you know more um, situations than we have. You know, we still blessed um, come to work every day and do do something that we love every day. You know, in these unconventional times, we just hope everybody's staying safe, and we just making sure we're staying safe and just you know getting to work. 
Good. So glad to hear it. And extremely well said on your part. You know, you and I spoke in 2019, but I want to say you wrote this absolutely amazing piece for the Players' Tribune recently. And it starts off, my man, it starts off incredibly. And I want to read this quote. This is how the piece starts. I'm so New York, I got robbed in the second grade. Man, who the hell gets robbed when they're seven years old? Me, end quote. I mean, that is incredible. What happened that day? Uh, I mean, it was just, it was just me. You know, like I said, coming from New York, you know, certain things happen, and you don't even realize that things is happening at the time they're happening. Until I got older, then I realized, like, you know, what really happened. But I was, you know, to make a long story short, I was going to um, school, and at the school, I went, you know, for people that don't know, White Castle was like, was like a big thing in Brooklyn, you know, growing up. And if people ever had White Castle, you know, they're amazing burgers. So I um, went and got some White Castle burgers for me, my little sister, and my brother, even though I was only seven to eight years old, I still was little. I don't even know why I was walking to school alone. You know, I would be so scared for my kids to walk to school nowadays, you know, with with somebody, so let alone being alone and being a, the big brother. But I had bought some burgers, and, and we was walking back towards the house, and a guy, I don't even know why I even did it now that I think about it. A guy asked me, he was like, man, those are like Castle Burgers. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, those cheeseburgers. I said, yeah. You know, I'm still talking like, yeah. I don't know if I was nervous or whatever, but I was just like, yeah. And then he was like, man, can I smell them? And I just, like, raised my arm and raised the bag up. And if people know, the White Castle Burger has, like, these little handles on it. And as soon as I raised my hand up to, to put it towards his face, he just snatched the bag. And when he snatched the bag, I'm just still standing there holding the two little handles. <laughs> right. like, it, just, it just crushed my whole world. And then I couldn't even really do nothing because, you know, at the same time, even though as much I couldn't do because the boy had to be like 15, 16, I had my little little sister, my little brother with me, so there ain't much I could really do at that point but be sad. And they was crying and, you know, really wanted those burgers, man, for real. Sham, the thing is, though, and you mentioned that it was one of those moments that later in life, looking back on it, you know, you had this perspective and you figured it out. But the fact is, you were the big brother. You were only seven. So your little brother and your sister are bawling on the street. But you, you were not crying, dude. Why not? Like, what were you thinking in that moment? Um, At at that moment, I was just so pissed off that, like, I was so mad that I just... At that moment, I just wanted to fucking fight, and I was just like, because, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, you learn how to fight at an early age. And my father used to train boxers, so, you know, I knew about fighting, you know, I knew about wrestling, you know, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. So, you know, I was still, like, one of those little rough kids. And mind you, the school is, like, had to be, like, 13 blocks from my house. So, you know, at this point, I've been I've been walking to school for, like, the last two years. So I'm just one of those kids that's, like, like seven, but I'm really like, in my mind, I'm really like 13, 14. So that's why when the guy came to me, it wasn't really like a real big thing for him to ask me those questions and for me to really talk back to him because I was so used to hanging out with older guys. So I was so that's the reason why I think I wasn't crying because I was just, I just wanted to just like to do bodily harm to him for those burgers at that age. Right. I mean, Shem, were you like, I mean, if you were seven going on 13, were you like, yo, this is one of those welcome to life moments. I see yeah. how this shit is out here moments. Is that what that was? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just like like you said, one of those moments like, okay, now I just got initiated to like how life is and how shit is and never to, you know, let anybody take anything from you and never, you know, let your guard down at any moment. And, you know, like from that day on, like I said, you know, I just, I've always said I wouldn't let my guards down. I will always be, you know, on guard and, you know, just watch people and, and just learn how to read people, you know, in certain moments, in certain situations. And through my life, I, you know, I think, you know, it's worked out for me as far as uh, reading good people from bad people and the people I met in my life. It's amazing. I'm glad that you took the time to tell that story because it sets up so many other things. So you were seven <laughs> then. And listen, you moved from Brooklyn to Harlem when you were nine. Yeah. So what was yeah. Harlem like compared to Brooklyn? Man, Harlem is like, you know, anybody that knows the boroughs in New York, you know, it's, it's Brooklyn, Harlem. Queens and the Bronx. So people that don't understand, Harlem is a part of Manhattan, so you would say Manhattan's class. So Brooklyn is the, the borough where it's the most aggressive borough. Like, you know, people in Brooklyn really don't take no shit. And, you know, they're more the, on the aggressive and they're more on the, you know, ready for, you know, as they say in the neighborhood, ready for smoke, ready for anything, ready for violence, ready for anything. Harlem is... You know, you have to, they're ready for violence and, and you have to push them, but they're more about making money, coming to, you know, real solutions and, you know, just getting ahead in life and being flashy and being popular. And, you know, and I, I think that's, it was set up because of, you know, if you look at all the entertainers that, you know, especially black entertainers, they all came through Harlem, you know, at one point of their one point of their career like the Apollo Theater, hundred twenty fifth Street, you know, Madison Square Garden is part of Manhattan. So no matter what what you think of, if you were in that time like a popular, you know, black entertainer, athlete, or just somebody in entertainment period and you just wanted to know the culture of our culture, you know, you came to Harlem and, you know, is enriched in culture and you know, Queens is more like, um, how could you say, like laid back, smooth guys, you know, dress dress real nice, smooth cats, you know, and they and you know, they still have their ways too. And the Bronx is more kinda on the scale of Brooklyn but not so Brooklyn. You know, they're they're grinders, they're people that work hard, they're people that's not taking no shit for nobody. So that's kinda how the boroughs is set up. But Harlem is a borough where Everything is flashy. You know, you make $1 look like a million dollars. Right. You know, and nobody will never know the difference. All right. So what I'm hearing, exactly. So what I'm hearing from you is like, like you could read people, but probably there was an adjustment for you when you first got there because it was yeah. a different world. Like, who was the first kid that you really connected with when you got to Harlem? And what did he tell you? Uh, the, first, the first kid I, I really connected with you know, is, is one of my close friends to this day is uh, Mason Betha. You know, the world know him, know him as Mace. You know, he ran with a uh, bad boy. And um, when I first when I first got to PS ninety two, that's the elementary school I went to. Mace was even Mace was always popular even then, like before rap music. He was one of the popular kids that that the kids love and the teachers love. Like he was one of those kids that was that was that was real smart. But he, he he wasn't smart to the he wasn't smart to the fact where 
that a kid his age would think he's trying to show them up. So he knew how to be on both sides of the fence. And he's the first kid I really connected to because he was real good in basketball. Him and um, a guy named Chief, you know, God bless the dead, he got killed when he was like 17 years old. You know, they, they, they was like the two stars of the school. And, you know, I, when I really got with him, he one that uh, introduced me to basketball, introduced me to Harlem because, you know, he was he was so Harlem. Besides the, the music and people hearing about him, Later on in life, as Harlem world, he, he was Harlem then. So you know, he used to take me to um, him, my boy Ziggy, that was Melvin McKee's starting point guard, Rice, and my other friend Kenny Head. He got killed later on too. Um, they took me to 155th Street, and when I went to 155th Street, for people that don't know what 155th Street, that's Rucker Park. So that's like the Harlem. Mecca, Madison Square Garden, outside. Hell yes. So you picture Madison Square Garden, but you picture it outside. It was full of entertainers, full of women, full of guys making money, um, making money legit way and the wrong way. You know, guys pulling up in, guys at 17 years old pulling up in, in Ferraris and, you know, Lamborghinis and BMWs. You I mean, I'm literally saying kids, 17 years old, 18 years old, with no driver's license, you know. <laughs> and they pulling up to games and then to the point where you got these basketball players that's coming in the park, and this is no exaggeration, having women undress them and then dress them after the game. This is how good they are. Insane. At this point. So I'm sitting in the tree as a little kid watching this. Of course, I think this is the best, the best thing in the world. Like, this is the best thing in the world. At this point, I've never watched NBA. I've never watched college. I've never watched high school basketball. So you got to picture, this is my first vision of basketball. You know, because at that time, as you know, like, NBA was coming on, like, once a week, maybe on Sundays and stuff like that. So on those days, I was in the park. So I, I, I didn't – I wasn't running upstairs like how kids do now and say, oh, let me watch Steph Curry or let me watch Chris Paul and watch Kyrie Irving. You know, at that point – Streetball was everything. So, you know, I'd be outside to maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, just playing basketball, just hanging out. So I would always miss those games. So when I used to see guys like Master Rob, Future, Dancing Doogee, Pookie Wilson, MVP, God bless the day. These are like my, my superheroes to me. So this was my first introduction into basketball and into life of Harlem. That was the first, like one of the first places I went, even before – going to Apollo. Sham, that description of Rucker Park uh, for you as a teenager is absolutely amazing. That you, <laughs> that you got dudes rolling up in Ferraris at 17 that don't even have a driver's license. So, like, you you got a knack, man. Like, you you have this crazy ability and talent, and now all of a sudden you're learning all these things, these crazy tricks that you learn and develop in the streets, yeah. and literally everybody is blown away. You're like a hood celebrity, except for mm-hmm. one dude, the old school gym teacher. What did that yeah. old dude make of your game uh it just it just made me like you gotta think so if mace is the first person that introduced me to basketball right as far as as an entertainer this is the first person that introduced me to basketball as far as organized basketball right as far as you know so so i'm living in two different worlds because now like you said i'm i'm becoming a hood celebrity i'm becoming all these things so of course when i go to when i when i get out of elementary school and i go to junior high school of course, in my mind, I'm the man. 
So I come there, I'm doing all these tricks, and then, you know, my PE teacher is like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, like, what are you doing? That's not basketball. And in my mind, I'm like, what? Like, shut up, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. This, 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 and that. Like, you know, you need to learn from me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying all types of crazy stuff at this point. You know, I'm like, who the hell do you? You know, like, my first initial reaction when he said it to me is like, who the hell do you think you are, old man? Like, come on, please. You know, Sham, Sham, did point, you? I gotta like, interrupt. Did you not? Did you not even, in fact, say to him, "You're just a bum ass gym teacher"? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so you got, you got to think. My initial reaction is, you know, hey, what? I'm like, man, who do you think it is? And then, you know, he's trying to tell me something else, and I'm like, you know, I'm mumbling under my breath, like, man, you're just a bum ass gym teacher. You don't know what you're talking about. Because you know, because of the environment I'm coming from is like. Oh, you know, gym teachers, you know, they're they're whatever. They're not they're not real teachers. They're not principals. They're not you do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, man. So and this, they, they sure as hell aren't athletes. Yeah, so this so, so this is the vision this is the vision I'm I'm having while he's talking to me. So all this stuff I'm saying, then the the problem with me was when I'm when I when I was so young, I've always been vocal. Like I always had vocal qualities. So, yeah, man, you let so it the go. Problem is, Things that come to my mind, I would say them out loud without filter. So as he's saying it to me, I'm like, oh, you're a bum-ass gym teacher. You don't know what you're talking about. And so now I'm starting to, like, you know, play organized basketball, like these little tournaments around my way. So then one of my friends gave me this uh, this VHS test, uh, the VHS tape. Right, and he's like, he's like, oh, look at this stuff, you know. He's like, cause you know, he see all the stuff I could do. He's like, oh, you should, you should get some moves from from this video, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know. Still at this point, I don't know who's who. I'm like, okay, the only thing I know is the tape say uh, below the rim, you know, all star. So I would start watching. I saw, um, I see Kevin Johnson, Magic Johnson, Tim Hardaway, um, uh, Jason Kidd. I mean, I watched this tape probably like a hundred times, like even in slow motion, so I could learn footwork, hand-eye coordination. So this is probably like the twentieth time, because like this goes on for like like two, three months still. Like this is this is the whole period of every time I'm seeing this teacher, I'm like, ah, oh, here comes this old man talking shit. Like, let me move over here. Let me get out of here. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm getting my friends with me. We laughing. You're like, look at him, look at him. He, can't, he couldn't play basketball with somebody to hate him. Like, this this what he's saying. So, cause they didn't know who he was either. Like, that's the crazy part. They didn't even know who he was either. So now I watched the tape, and like I said, I used to, what happened was, I wanted to learn moves, like, like, I wanted to learn all the moves that I could learn, all the dribbling moves. So I watched the tape. I, so I got to a point where I started watching the tape in slow motion so I could see, like, footwork hand-eye coordination, like, when to do this move, when to do that move. So in the middle of the tape, it showed old school. So it's like Pistol Pete, Nate Tiny Archibald, Pearl, Pearl Monroe, uh, Iceman. Now, this is the, now, like I said, this is the first time I'm watching the tape slow. So this is like after the 25th time I'm watching it. So I, I've seen this segment before, but I just never paid, like, you know, it was in regular you theater. You slowed it so down. I the people don't mind. So now when I slow the moves down, I'm watching, 
And they're like, oh, the only man to lead the NBA in scoring and assists, you know, Nate Tiny Archibald or whatever. And still, through all this crazy stuff, I'm still not even picking up on the name. I'm just, like, just watching it. So now they slow it down, and he do a move, and I'm like, oh, man, that's a good move. <laughs> like, this dude got a good move. So I'm like, let me rewind it. I rewind it again, play in slow motion. It wasn't, like, to, like, the fifth time. <laughs> I was like, hold on. I was like, he looks like the guy at, at the gym. <laughs> so then so then I listened to the name, and I'm like, you know, Tiny Archibald, Mr. Archibald. Because what happened was at school, you know, we went by his name. So they was like, this, you know, the gym teacher name is Nate. Right. Because his name is Nate. So so on the tape, it's saying Tiny Archibald. So I'm like, oh, there's no way this is him. You know, I, my gym teacher name is Nate. You know, this, this is what I'm saying, you know, at this point. So now I keep watching the tape. So the next day I go to school and I tell one of my friends, I'm like, yo, I think he played basketball. And then my, my friend is like, hell no. He's never played basketball. So then I'm looking. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, this old dude can't no way. play basketball. So now I go, I watch the tape again. I come back the next day. I'm like, man, they got like the same haircut, the same hairline. Like, oh, wow. this is how I'm going now. I'm like, so then I'm like, all right, I'm like, forget this. I'm going to ask. So this went on for like two weeks. Then finally I asked him. I'm like, hey, uh, I was watching this tape. And I was like, I don't think it's you, but I know this guy looks just like you or somebody in your family or whatever, like that. And he was like, what? And I was like, and I had to take, I pulled the tape out the bag, and I'm like, this tape right here, it says uh, Tiny Archibald, but your name is Nate, whatever. So even when he said yes, I'm like, nah. I'm like, no, because your name is Nate. Your name is not Tiny. This is what I'm saying. You're like, you I'm can't like, no. be him, man. But yeah, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way. So then after, you know, it came that was him. I'm like, why you didn't tell me? I could play the NBA. Why you didn't tell me? And he's like, oh, you young kids think y'all know everything. Wow. So then the next day I came and I was like, what would be the first thing you would tell me? You know, and he was like, you need to just focus on how to learn how to. He was like, you can do all the tricks and stuff, but you need to focus on learning how to dribble basic. And he was like, the more you practice the dribbling, you will always be worth something to a team. And from that day, he told me that I went from practicing dribbling like an hour and a half a day to six hours a day. All right, so like, just so everybody's clear on this, that bum ass gym teacher <laughs> that you were hating on and not respecting was tiny freaking Archibald the the entire yeah. time and didn't say anything. And then as soon no. as you found out, man, that that changed everything. So was yeah. that then the official birth of the Sham God? Right, right then and there yeah. at that age. Is that when that was official? Yeah, it was. It was officially born then, and then you know, even to this day. You know, up until the present time, like, he's one of my mentors and one of my closest friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, up until that day, you know, I um, I was talented, so I played with it. Like, I played with it just for fun. But up until that day, when me and him had the conversation, it became serious. Like, it became like, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be at least the best, one of the best ball handlers ever, because just because of what he said. Mm. You know, to me, and um, and and that's how I attacked it after that, and every day after that, and like I said, me and him's been, oh, he's been a mentor of me since since that time. 
Do you own or rent your home? Of course you do. And I'm sure that can be hard work. You know what's easy, though? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. So go to GEICO.com. Get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So what was it like when you were running in those games as a teenager and you're shaking these like grown-ass men out of their shoes with that legendary mm-hmm. crossover when you're like 15? What was that like? I mean, it was, it was good because, you know, at that point. Yeah, it was. At that, it, it was. It was, you know, it was awesome because at that point, me coming from Brooklyn, I never looked at myself as like a star or like one of these people that a lot of people would know all the time. And um, when I got to Harlem, and then once all that started happening, of course you you get you get you get fame and notoriety fast. The one thing about Harlem, you know, once you get known for something good, it is is you know it's just like the New York, it's like New York media. So like you know, once if somebody do good in New York, you know the media is going to take care of the rest. So you got to picture that, and without the media, but in the neighborhoods, in the hoods. So once you become something in the neighborhood, you know the neighborhood takes on a whole new precedent, a whole new legend of its own for you, and they all they all gather around to protect you. You know, so at that point, I knew, you know, I was doing something right because at this point, whether it was uh, regular people, drug dealers, bullies, or whatever. You know, I was like off limits at that point uh-huh. to, to to any of that type of stuff. At, at that point, it was like, you know, now Sham has a future. You know, make sure he's all right. Make sure this. It was times. You know, it was times. You know, my mom's ain't had rent, and you know, people from you know the neighborhood would just make sure we was good. And I've never, I've never, you know, I've, I've never felt like I lived in the ghetto or or was poor or, because I always had. You know what I'm saying? Due to my basketball ability at that point growing up. Wow. So you become a McDonald's All-American, and you're like Man. this unbelievable, unbelievable player. Let me ask you this. When did you first meet Kobe Bryant, and what did you think of him? So when I uh, I went to, I was in 11th, 11th grade going into my senior year. Uh, I, had, uh, I had fractured my wrist. So, but I had just got invited to uh, ABCD camp, which everybody knows, all American camp. And you know, at first I wasn't even going to go to the camp. And then the doctors put like a splint on my hand, and, and it felt good. And I was taking classes, so my my high school coach was like, "Well, I'll just drive you to the camp every day because it was in New Jersey. I was in New York, so it wasn't far. It's like I'll just drive you every day." I was like, "Okay, cool." So then he drove me. First day he drove me. It was a it was a junior. The kid was a junior, and like I said, when you're young, the the only place we knew of growing up, you know, outside of the United States was France. You know, at this point, like right. as far as like where other people coming from. So, you know, they was like, oh, you know, you got this kid on your team. You know, he's from he, you know, he's from Philly, but he's from overseas. His name Kobe Bryant. You know, and, you know, one of the guys was like, yeah, he's from France and all this. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, you know, at this point, we get on the court and we just uh, playing around and stuff. I mean, he's shooting all the balls. <laughs> all the balls. And I'm like, 
who the hell do he think he is? Like, I'm the All-American. I'm the star. You know, because this is like the, his first real uh, time on, on the scene, like on the basketball scene as far as high school, like as far as All-American camps and stuff. So up until that point, I, ne- I never heard of him. You know, so I'm like, man, I'm the, I'm the man of this team or whatever. Like, this dude shooting the ball, you know, you think he's Jordan, he's walking like Jordan, chewing gum like Jordan. Like, who the hell do you think he is? Jordan. And all the other kids are laughing and making jokes. Like, we, you know, cause you, know I, you know, when you're young, you just make cool jokes and stuff. So we're like, man, he think he's Jordan. He ain't going to never be no Jordan, man. He's walking like Jordan, chewing gum like Jordan. So his father was a coach at LaSalle College. So the only reason why me and his father even spoke is because I went to LaSalle Academy. Right. So I was like, oh, he coached at LaSalle College. I said, oh, that would be cool to go to, like, LaSalle LaSalle. <laughs> like, I'm just joking, though. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to LaSalle LaSalle. So I spoke to him, and then he said, um, he was like, hey. He's like, man, Sham, you know, you can dribble. You know, at this point, I'm at camp, but everybody knows me from dribbling and all this other stuff. So he's like, can you – um?" Can you help my son out? He was like, because my son has everything else, but he, you know, he really needs to work on his handle. And I was like, you know, at this point, I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm like, yeah, but in my mind, I'm like, no. You're not into so it. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to get to the gym at like 6 in the morning because I always work out before, before the games and stuff, before the camp start. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. He'll be there, whatever. So I, as I'm walking in, I'm thinking, you know, he's no way he's going to be there. So I walked in. He's already warmed up. At six. And then, you know, I'm just showing him, like, why I cross just, just, Just telling him certain things, footwork things and, and stuff like that, and telling him how, you know, like I used to put ankle weights on my wrist and things like that to learn how to dribble faster and wider. And then me and him just took on, like, a whole new, like, relationship and, you know, up until his untimely death, you know what I'm saying, me and was close. You know, he was one of my biggest supporters, you know, at the same time as well as, as, well as I was his, you know what I'm saying? So we just we just always had a great bond, even years later, even years later to where, you know, he retired and, you know, I guess the Boston Globe asked him a question and he was like, yeah, you know, Shane Gore told me how to dribble. Mm. Wow. And then that took on the life of his own, and then other people start asking. I feel like what I'm doing now is kind of like, like God was like pushing me in that direction the whole time without me even knowing. In fact, to that point, Sham, I want to ask you about that. But it kind of like with Kobe, like you guys had this amazing bond and friendship and relationship. But as you point out, it actually came full circle because Kobe called you up and he wanted you to come to L.A. and teach Mm -hmm. Gigi's team how to dribble. So you were at the Mamba Academy for a week. What was that experience like? It was was, was a great experience. It was it was it was it was it was so Kobe though. It was a great experience. It was like uh, like how so? so? My, how, how was it Kobe? So, how so? Because because it, it was like you know, like I said, over the years we would always speak, you know, here and there, off and on. Every time we spoke, or every time he did an article or something, he would say something about me, and you know, or people would post videos of him talking. Like if you look at, I think it was Tim Duncan or. It was Kevin Garnett and I think Kobe's like first All Star game. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. And Tim Duncan's at the free throw line, and they're just warming up. And Kobe's like, yeah, this is Sham God be doing. This is Sham God be doing. Mm. And somebody filmed it and sent it to me, you know. And That's then so he was cool. like, man, like he's always like spoke of it. So anyway, you fast forward. We didn't speak probably for like a year or something. And I'm, um, you know, I'm with the Dallas Mavericks now, and we're uh, we're working out. I'm I'm working out in Vegas, and then the phone just rang, and I pick up the phone. I don't see, I don't recognize the number at first. So I pick up the phone, I'm like hello. He like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, what's up? And he's like, yeah, I need you to come to L.A. to. Uh, you know, work with my girls and all that. And I'm like, okay. But I'm still trying to catch him because I'm doing something else, so I'm still trying to catch his voice. He's like, yeah, man, this cold. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm going to give you to my assistant. She's going to make sure everything's all right. You know, I'll see you when you get there. And I'm like, okay. Dude, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like it's like the craziest thing because so then when I get there, and this is what I say where it's like so cold. So when I get there, he's like, um, Hey, I want you to, um, you know, put the girls through the drills and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, so, you know, how much time? He's like, um, we're gonna go from we're gonna go from twelve to two. And I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like, so you want me to do this and that? He's like, no, nah, no. Nah, I just I just want you to just teach them dribble, and that's it for two I hours. Said, well, yeah. So I said, you know, I said, um, twelve to two is a long time. You know, even for NBA players, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm like, so he's like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. They, 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 they okay with it. Don't worry about it. And I said, okay, cool. So then, um, we do, we do all the, you know, I do the drills with them. Cause I mean, I could do drills for five hours. It's easy for me cause I, I know so much dribbling and stuff. So, uh, we do the drills. So right after the drills, we stop. He said, okay. All right, the car gonna take you back, and then I'm gonna pick you up. We're gonna pick you up at four to six, and I'm like, okay, Dude. wow. I'm like four to six. I'm like four to six. Uh, which one? What you want me to do? You want me to put them through a, a, another work, a different workout? No, 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 no. I just want you to have them dribbling from four to six. So I said, well, that's like four hours of dribbling. I'm like, these are like these are young girls, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. All these girls. Going Division One, Stanford, like I've never like besides him, I've I've never seen so many kids locked in like at one time the Did way they, they were. That's that's why it was so amazing because like they already knew like which two was going to the same school, which three was going to the same school, wow. and how they was doing it, and it was just like one of the most amazing you know times I had because you know of course one because you know. Me and Kobe is, is, was tight, but then for him to entrust me, you know, with his, with his beautiful daughter and her teammates, and um, it was just one of those times. And then like me coming back to the gym and seeing how locked in the girls was, and um, you know, it's just it's just rough. It's just rough to even talk about and think about because it was just so like one of those moments where it's like his daughter's like within within two hours later, it's good. Hey. Hey, coach, coach, I did this better, right? This is better than this morning, right? This is better, and I'm like, man, this is, this is, this is, this is stuff that I've, I've done with grown men that be like tired and and don't even want to talk about it. Or be saying how 
chance. He got my legs sore. He got my arms sore by doing this and that. And these are young girls that was just like, yeah, I want more. 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 So, like, just to see that. And then uh, we played we played the Lakers, um, I think it was, like, in the fall or something. And I put the pictures, me and Kobe, and I brought Luca, Luca over there to meet Kobe and talk to Kobe over there. And it was him and Gigi, and he was like, tell him, tell him, tell him what you did, tell him what you did. And she was like, yeah, you know, I shammed somebody at the game. <laughs> I shammed somebody. Great. So that was like, that was like a surreal moment. And that was, you know, the last time we, we spoke. So that was, so, so it was, like I said, and that was probably, that was probably like two weeks before the untimely demise. So it was, so it was rough. It was, it was a rough, it's still rough. It's still a and surreal moment. You know, I pray for the families of all the people that passed away because it wasn't just Gigi there. You know, the other girls was there as well. So, you know, and, and their families was there. So, you know, it's just, you know, just, 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 just a rough moment, but a moment that I will always cherish and, and love. Amazing. Amazing. So, Sham, you were talking about how God, and I really appreciate your time, and I, I, I want to move mm-hmm. through this because I know you have stuff to do, but you were talking yeah, about how God yeah. kind of pushed you mm-hmm. to this moment. Like, you, you only played 20 NBA games, but it's such an amazing <laughs> thing because you're, you're worldwide. Like, you are worldwide. You can go to all these different countries, and people know who you are and what you're famous for. It's an amazing thing. But you started to wind down in your 30s, and you're playing overseas, mm-hmm. and you got to think about the next thing, and then you yep. kind of get it. Like, I, I can coach. I can teach i can be a mentor providence Mm -hmm. hires you but before you start there you're at a block party back in harlem with your guy howie what happened that day what happened that day it was like it was um so so how it all started was i had went to like right before right before the summer i went to the biggies tournament so i like um i had a meniscus tear and i was just rehabbing and um you know i had two years left on my contract in china you know, I just I had just got best import. So, you know, things was good. You know, China was loving the way I played, you know, and um I was leading and scoring assists and still so it was it was so it was, a, it was a real good time for me. So when I went to the Big East tournament I went to watch Providence play. Um Bob Driscoll, the athletic director athletic director up there, he saw me on the crutches and he was like, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, Yeah, I just rehabbing because next year I'm gonna go back to China with he was like, "Won't you come up to the school? Won't you come up to the school and um, rehab?" And I was like, "Okay." So I went up there, and I was rehabbing, and I was working out, and I had worked out uh, Michelle Brooks, and then the next year Michelle Brooks led the Big East in scoring, and you know everybody's talking about you know what a good impact I had on him, and things like that. So coming into the, that that summer. I was thinking about, I was like, talking to Bob Driscoll, he was like, yeah, you know, if you come back, because at that point I haven't been back to Providence in like 10 years. Yeah. So, but I, but the day I got drafted, I promised my mother that I would finish my degree no matter what. So at, at this time, everything is hitting me full circle. You know, the injury, I'm thinking about stuff. And I know I got a contract for two years overseas, so I'm just thinking... And right before the injury happened, the Chinese national team had asked me to train their guards for the Olympics. So all this stuff was coming, like, just randomly. Like, hey, 
train this person. Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And and I was doing it, and I was having such like success and such an impact so fast that I didn't even realize what was happening. Hmm. And I know, like, cause I, like one of my fetishes, jury. Like, I love jury. I love jury. I love jury since I was little. You know, and then being in Harlem, everything is so flashy. So I grew up in that mentality. And one day, I used to always, like, I would, I would never wear jewelry, and then I would wear all jewelry, like, one day. Like, it would be different days. Like, you would never see me with jewelry, then you would see me with so much jewelry. Right. So on this specific day, I was telling my boy Howie, we were we just hanging out. And we was like, we're going to go to the block party, cookout, and I know people haven't seen me in a long time. So I was like, man, if you haven't seen me in a long time, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to, I'm gonna put all my jewelry on, I'm going to go. Because Harlem is one of them places, like, when you show up, you show out. I was just going to say know, that. You really don't right. go there. So, yeah, so I'm like, okay, people ain't seen me in a while. So, so when I come, I got to come like, you know, like, I'm still like this. And the day, the day that happened, uh, Bob Driscoll and Steve Knapp, I spoke to them, and I just registered for school. And they was like, you know, can you help the team? You know, would you help the team? And I was like, yeah, if Coach wants me to, if Coach let me, I would. And then I spoke to Ed Cooley, you know, great coach up there. He was like, him. Yeah, he was like, Love he was him. like, it'd be more, more than welcome to have you on the team, to be a part of the team. And I'm like, cool. So at that point, I, I don't know what happened, but something came over me. Like, I had the jewelry on. Like I said, I've never... I don't wear jewelry all the time, but when I wear, I wear a lot. So I put the jewelry on, and when I stepped out, I was telling my boy, I was like, man, I was like, and I don't even know why I said it. This is the crazy part, because I was like, man, I got, I said, I don't even know why I got this jewelry. I said, because I'm getting older. I said, and I was like, if I coach at Providence, I'm like, I can't be wearing no jewelry. Like, coaches don't be wearing no jewelry. This is still like. You know, no disrespect to the hood, but it's like, this is still some hood stuff. You know yeah, what I'm saying? This yeah. is what I'm saying at this right. point. So I'm like, ain't no, you know, you don't see no coaches wearing, you know, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 worth of jewelry on their neck and stuff like that. It makes no sense. But I'm like, I'm like, but, okay, I got it on, but let's go to the cookout. So literally, we walked up the block. We go, we go to, we go to the, the event. And literally, I'm about to walk right back down the street to the block I grew up on. Like this, is, this had to, this had to be like 300 feet from huh. the building I grew up in. Right. So I, I cross the street. Me and him laughing and joking, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, we gonna go down the block. I'm like, we gonna see everybody gonna be out there. And um, soon as soon as I, I sat on the car for a minute, I was like. I was like, um, I was like, chill. I was like, hold on for a minute. Let me just sit down for a minute because I was tired. I was like, let me sit down. As soon as I sat down, the car pulled up. <laughs> Guys jumped out. You know, one guy had a gun to the back of my head. One had a front. Two was on the side. So mind you, I'm just sitting there. And like I said, I don't know why. It brings me back to the moment that happened when I was young. I don't know why I don't react in the way I guess people expect me to react in situations like that. So they just jumped out, and I'm just talking. And I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing? Like, you know, at this point, you got to think. I'm, like, so known in my neighborhood that I'm like, this could not possibly be happening. Right. Like, this, this, is, my, this, is, this, is, this is my first, 
like, if you ever, if you, you know, for most people that's out there, if you ever, like, heard Tupac talk before, and when Tupac got shot, he was like, at this point in my life, I never thought a black person would shoot, mm. you know, yeah. because, of, because of the way he was. So, at this point, I'm in my neighborhood, and I'm like, you know, and, like, people in my neighborhood love me, so I'm like. Sham, Sham, like, Sham, you were like, like, Sham, you were like, you know who the fuck I am? You know who you're yeah, fucking with, right? <laughs> this is what I'm saying in my mind. I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, what the hell are y'all doing? But this is what I'm saying. But but like you said, that's what I'm saying in my mind. But this is what I'm saying out loud. Right. I'm like, yo, what the hell are y'all doing? So then they're like, yo, take it off, take it off, take it off, take it off. So now my boy is just panicking, going crazy. And I'm like, yo, chill. Like, relax, relax. So mind you, they, they, they trying to take the jewelry off. They can't take the jewelry off because every piece of jewelry I got has a double lock. So like, if, so I always had a double lock in case, like somebody ever tried to snatch it, it wouldn't just pop off. Right. So, so I'm like, I'm like, yo, just relax. Well, I see one dude is nervous, so I'm like, just relax, relax, relax. I'll take it off. So I, I take it off. I hand it to him. So then the other guy go in my po- my pocket and pull out my wallet. And when he pulled out my wallet, he's like, oh shit, this shield gun. And then they all just jumped in the car and just pulled off. So at that point, I'm like, man, like, I guess they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, like, whatever. So they jumped in the car. So my boy is, like, panicking. Like, he's like, yo. And I'm, I just start laughing. Wow, dude. And, and he's like, what are you laughing at? Why are you playing? Why are you playing? You always think stuff is a joke. Why are you playing? And I'm like, yo, we alive, we alive, chill, don't worry about that. I'm like, yo, we alive. I'm like, I guess, and the first thing I said to him, and, and the, he, he could quote this from top to bottom, first thing I said to him, I said, I guess God ain't want me to have the jury no more. Ah, uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Like, like <laughs> Sham, like that, that's an amazing quote. I guess, that, it, was that not also, you want to talk about another full circle. Remember that feeling when you got the yeah. White Castle snatched at seven? That was a message, right? I see mm-hmm. how it is. I see what it is. Yeah. Did you get mm-hmm. that same message in that moment, too? Yeah, so, so at that time, I was like, at that time, and, and while we were walking down the street, and I was like, and I was telling myself, I guess God didn't want me to have the jury. So he's still going, you know, back and forth saying, man, yo, that's crazy. So then other people start coming. And other people start saying, yo, you good? What happened? What happened? And I was, you know, explaining what happened. But I was just like, I said, yo. And I told him, I turned to him. I said, see, this is what I be telling you. The hood only loved the hood. You know what I'm saying? I said, so that's why we got to do what we got to do to make sure it's become better. And we get out of here or we come back and make the hood better. You know what I'm saying? I said because when 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 you're in an environment that 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 breeds that type of energy, no matter how good you are, that's that's what happens. You know what I'm saying? So it was like if if you're in an environment where things are aggressive, either you gotta get out of here or you gotta be the aggressor. You know, and and I'm not on aggressive because that ain't that ain't the way I think. I'm not on that time. So I was just telling him like. Yeah, I know. And from that day forth, like I used to, uh, like went to went back to Providence, got my bachelor's degree in leadership, and you know worked on my master's. And then you know I, every year I do so much stuff for like the community, like free cookouts, 
free giveaways, you know, train kids in the summer. Because, you know, I feel it's my job to make it better, and I feel like God put me in a position at that point by, you know, because I could have been dead. So at that point, but in, in that moment, it was no time in that moment that I thought God had, like, that was my time. Mm-hmm. So that's why... I, that's why I that's why I just started laughing when 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 he was like panicking because I was like yo this is not my time this is not my time like there's so much more for me to do you know and and I felt like that and it, but it's like I told you that whole day I felt weird so it was like you know because I you know it was just like yeah take your butt back to school finish your finish your degree. And let's get this stuff started. And that's that's the way I took it. So, Shan, so to, to tie the whole thing up, I mean, finally then, like, you've lived this fantastic, fascinating life. What are you, <laughs> mo- what are you most proud of? Um, me, I'm most proud of, you know, being a father, being a servant to the people because, you know, for me, like you said, I had 20 games in the NBA. But the one thing I didn't have at the time – I probably needed it the most was a mentor on on right there on deck on spot because like through my whole career, even in high school, like my high school coach was like my pops. My AAU coach was like my family like family member. So I've always had mentors. Then when I when I went to college and when I got to the NBA, I didn't I didn't really have like a day to day mentor like I had when I was growing up. So I always promised myself that when it was my turn like if I if I can help kids and and give back and you know one day be a coach and and help guys in the right way, which the things I feel I didn't have like you know because when when you're young you play you play mind games with yourself like when you go through things with coaches or different stuff you say to yourself oh he's hating on me oh he's he's not letting me rock he's not letting me shine but most of the time it's like you playing that with yourself because at the end of the day a coach and organization they want to win that's all they want to do so whoever put them in the best position to win. That's what they're gonna do. So it's like it's just your job to work as hard as you can to be undeniable, you know, to be undeniable, to be that answer, to be that person. So I always just try to, you know, I'm most proud of that, and I'm most, like I said, I'm most proud of, you know, raising my kids to be respectable young men, and you know, do do the stuff that I'm doing for the community, and like I said, just just giving back and being a voice, you know, and a bridge and a, and a bridge to bridge the gap between you know, the streets and the corporate world to let people know that, you know, I'm special, but I'm not, I'm not that special. There's other people that's in the neighborhoods and the hoods I come from that's just like me. They just need the opportunity. They just need the chance. You know, I just, things just broke my way at the right time and at specific times. And, you know, I promise God that I'll always do my part with any break he ever gives me. So, you know, it's my, it's my time to open the doors for other people that can do that for kids too. That is amazing, Sham. It's amazing. But again, you know, you might say that I, I'm really not that special, but on some level I was kind of special. But you knew at seven, man, you could read you could read the tea leaves and you could read things <laughs> even at age seven. Sham, I can't tell you I mean I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I think I speak for lots and lots of people, of course. You know this. You know this about yourself, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and the journey and the story and that you could spend this kind of time with us today. That was absolutely amazing, Sham, sincerely. Oh man, I, pre- I appreciate you and you know like I said I'm a fan of yours too and I just you know want to thank you for having me on to tell my story and you know let's go mass you know I gotta say that because you know I work for a great owner that gave me an opportunity 
you know, and I promised myself that, you know, I would I would not let him down or the organization down by my actions or just try to be a leader, you know, because, you know, Mark Cuban is such a great leader, you know, for, on so many different levels. And with Carlisle and the whole coaching staff has been helping me on this journey to be, you know, become a coach. And, you know, and Rock Nation has helped me on this journey to just be, become a better person and to keep striving just for greatness. You know, greatness is a process, and, you know, I'm just trying to live through my process. And like you said earlier, the one thing I'm really proud of is that I get to live in my inspiration every day. You know, most people pass away and, and then hear about, like, their family or somebody hear about how many people they inspired. inspired. You know, I get to live that every day by being a coach in the NBA and seeing how, you know, basketball has evolved and knowing that I'm a part of it as far as that, you know, as far as dribbling and things like that. And, you know, any job that you have, you always want to leave something better than you found it. And I know when it's my time, I can rest easy that, you know, I left basketball better than how I found it, you know, as far as dribbling and even if I'm not the best dribbler ever, I know that I'm going to spark the brain of the best dribbler ever. Period. Uh, oh, no, I think you definitely are that. And uh, you're right. It's, so, it's amazing that you get to live in your inspiration day to day. And then finally, the point, I love that you're with the Mavs, and I love that they have you. I agree with you. Mark Cuban is as good as they come when it comes to an owner. I spoke to him a couple of weeks back, and I love Rick Carlisle. Dude, we have had him on the show so many <laughs> yeah. times. He is such a great coach. I just think yeah, that yeah. that's a great organization for you to be in, and you're a great mm-hmm. person to be in that organization. I think it's a perfect fit. Oh, man, I thank you. And like I said, I couldn't ask for a bank organization because, you know, the only thing they asked me to be is be Sham God. And, Perfect. And, Perfect. You know, you don't get that. You don't get that too many places. Sham, I appreciate you, man. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for the conversation. I know so many people are going to get so much out of that. Uh, thank you. And thanks for having me on. Hanging out with friends, you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You think you'll make it home. It's not a big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think that it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. Huge thanks to Sham for swinging on through and telling some absolutely incredible stories about his entire life on and off the court. That was an amazing conversation and a hell of a way to end the year. Now, before we get up out of here, I do want to express my appreciation. If you have been riding with the side hustle all year long, thank you so much for subscribing, reviewing, sharing, and listening. I will be right back here on January 6th to start the new year with a new ep, but don't wait on that. Check out everything we've done up until now. All the 
conversations hold up and our guest list is as good as anybody's. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Be safe. Be healthy. Be happy. And I will see you in 2021. Until then, I'm out.